What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Double Shot, a sports podcast featuring JP and Hector. What's going on, Hector? Not much, man. I'm having a pretty good, pretty good uh, start to the week. I came off of my second win after starting 0-2, so now I'm back even. It's a whole new fight. I, I'm sorry, what, what did you say your record was now? My record is now 2-2 two two after starting 0-2. Okay. Yeah, me too. I'm also 2-2, two two, so we have something in common with the AFC South once we get to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to go ahead um, break down for this episode. Um, we're going to get into teams who are kind of middling or heading towards the bottom of the rankings after week four, talk a little bit about fantasy, ask a few questions about the upcoming NBA season that kicks off in a bit over three weeks, but we have to start off with the game of the week, the Cowboys finally suffering a loss against the New Orleans Saints. Um, Couldn't say we didn't see it coming. But still disappointing nonetheless. The thing that I was thinking watching this game and reading about this game is that it's really hard to take away something that we are supposed to learn from for the rest of the year. Like, I don't know, like, it's really hard to say that this is a game that really... I don't know, to you, did this game show, like, like deep flaws? Or do you think this was an off game? Or what was your interpretation? Um... I mean, we, the strongest part of our team should be and has always been kind of known as the offensive line. We got beat on the line more times than we'd like to admit. It's going to get even tougher now with Tyron Smith. But in terms of mm-hmm. big things that we were lacking, really, I, I don't I don't think I can put anything on it except for Zeke needs to earn those $90 million. Like that That's the only thing. We, because our passing game was hindered. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not making excuses. That was a good team that we played, and they beat us fair and square. Um, but we we went in there with a with a hobbled Amari Cooper with no Michael Gallup. Uh, Jason Witten looked uncharacteristic as hell when he fumbled the ball. He, I, I don't think I've ever seen him. Well, obviously he's done it before. But yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, it's not a very often occurrence. Um, Zeke didn't fumble, but he shouldn't have even given them a chance to call it one because they did call it one. Um, it was just a bunch of little little mistakes, one time occurrences. I don't think it was anything glaring that oh my god we have a hole in this part of our game we need to fix this it was a really good defensive game um our defense did everything that they could to keep us in it they didn't allow one touchdown and i can't remember the last time the saints won without scoring a touchdown but i I would venture to say it's it's more than 30 years ago but yeah um, yeah whenever a team um only scores on field goals you would hope that you would win that game but Unfortunately, with this offense, I mean, two things with the offense. It felt like, one, there was a bit of regression with the play calling on offense. It kind of felt like the differences in the offensive schemes that we saw from last year to this year. In the first three games, we didn't see as much in this game. It felt a lot more conservative, the play calling was. And also, two, um, it felt kind of like... a domino effect where, you know, when one part of the offense starts leaking it seems like the rest of it tends to follow suit i mean the offensive line did not do well put more pressure on Dak, which put more pressure on the receivers the secondary swallow the dallas cowboys receivers and then um and then zeke he couldn't get anything going what was it 18 rushes on 35 yards i think and that was that was that was terrible 
Yeah, two yards per rush. That that is not. I mean, after especially a game after coming out and and breaking a hundred, uh, we had two backs break a hundred last week. Uh, it's just, it was just. I don't know if it's if it was a hangover from the last week or if we just got ahead of ourselves or, you know, it's it's. But it, it's definitely a wake up call. And uh, what's tough now is that now we have uh, Aaron Rodgers coming to Dallas with two chips on his shoulders. They, they're coming off a loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, and we have Randall Cobb. And if they don't have Devontae Adams on the field next week, Randall Cobb would have been their top target. He's now on our team. Uh, he's you know has a history with Aaron Rodgers. It, that's just not a guy who's, who's bad side you want to be on. So we, we definitely should have picked up that win. We needed it desperately. Well, not desperately, but we needed it. Um, I, I don't blame... You can't blame Dak Prescott. You can't do it. Oh no. Mm-mm. There's been a lot, and, and you know how these how feeble fans can be sometimes. They're they're as soon as something goes wrong, they're jumping ship. They want to throw somebody under the bus. If anybody needs to be thrown under the bus, uh, and I, I love this guy, but if anybody needs to take the fall for this, it's it's Ezekiel Elliott. Eighteen rushes. You mentioned thirty-five yards. One point nine yards per carry. We just paid you ninety million dollars for an extension you're you're totaling 103 113 something like that you need to earn that especially against a team who this was our time to strike anybody that plays the saints right now they know that they have to strike they have to get a win here before drew Brees comes back because he's another guy that's going to come back with a vengeance and we we didn't capitalize on it yeah that i mean that it's just it's just plain and simple and it definitely feels like this is going to be one of the weeks where um where um the Cowboys continue to be evaluated on a weekly basis to deciding pretty much it's like every single game we have to decide all over again if they're a good team or not and you know I mean we only have every week to work with like we do have to talk about what happened but I don't remember the last time or I don't remember the culture of you know football analysis being that after every single game you have to question you know the entire team itself and and ask yourself whether or not this is a good team i mean of course you don't have to do that with teams like new england and kansas city you know teams at the top who if they lose a game there's no doubt in your mind that they're still super bowl contenders but then with the cowboys you lose this game to new orleans and all of a sudden it's you know questioning their overall capabilities is this another year leading to disappointment or is this a one-off i don't know but um yeah, it definitely wasn't encouraging. And definitely with Green Bay coming in next week, if that things go south in that game too, it's going to be the world against Dallas all over again. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the downside of being, as we mentioned last episode, uh, of being in the spotlight, of being you know constantly referred to as America's team, is that we you want that spotlight on you, it's going to be on you. And there's going to be a magnifying glass on you. And as soon as you make one mistake, everybody becomes armchair quarterback, armchair analyst. Uh, um, they, they know... They're saying, you know, we we shouldn't have we shouldn't have believed. I was watching uh, what was it? What show? I think it was a pregame show this weekend, and um, they were trying to pick who was going to win before the between the Cowboys and the Saints, and they kept saying that, you know, as well as we're doing, everybody's just waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're just waiting for the Cowboys to blow it because that's what they do, and uh, you know, this this week we proved them right, and we can't let that happen again. I don't want to say that that. You know our wins came from a from a product of an easy schedule because they still you're, like you said, you know Kellen Moore just seemed a little a little more conservative on the play calls. We didn't incorporate Tony Pollard as much as we did last week. 
Um, and it's on top of the toughness of the schedule coming up. Now we're missing Tyron Smith, which is the biggest, probably best left tackle in the league. We're going to be without him. And I don't know if you noticed, but as soon, as soon as he went down this past game, that first uh, play, the first next play, I think Fleming was, was the left tackle. Dak right. Prescott got rushed. I mean, it wasn't two seconds before they were on him. Luckily for us, he got the ball off. And I think he completed a first down, but but it was it was um, very blatant, the difference between Tyron Smith and our backup. Okay, so how much of this goes to New Orleans? And um, I guess what I'm getting at is, is, should we be taking Teddy Bridgewater seriously? Absolutely. Yeah, he he like 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 we talked about last time, and we, we said this in the first or second episode. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he was phenomenal with the Vikings. He was going to be the next, hands down, the next starting quarterback in Minnesota. But one, he was going to usher in this next class of quarterback until he got his head taken off, and got knocked unconscious on the field, and then the next season broke his leg to where they said that he may not ever play again. I feel like he kind of uh, flew under the radar. He's back. Um, with a year, because he was with the Saints last year, so now he has a year under his belt behind one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. He's an experienced kid. He's very athletic. He's got Taysom Hill to to help uh, take out the Wildcat, or, or you know, um, they use him as a utility player everywhere. So he he really has a lot of options to spread the field. So yeah, you know, you're right. A, a lot of the times we focus on what the Cowboys did wrong, and. Uh, Sometimes we we do have to take a step back, and and I do give props to Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints. They're a, they're a great team. Um, so yeah, I mean anybody who doesn't take the Saints seriously because they have Teddy Bridgewater is is fooling themselves. Yeah, because at this point, once Drew Brees once Drew Brees went down, the whole point of the season or the point of this period where Drew Brees is out, it became just about survival, and I think going up against this Cowboys team. I mean, I think it says more about their defense than anything else that they were able to hold the Cowboys to, what was it, 10 points? Yeah, um, 10 points, only one touchdown. Yeah, yeah, like, that's that's just crazy. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, a part of it, too, like I mentioned earlier, I think a little bit goes on the coaching staff for not uh, trying to get more um, experimental with the play calling and kind of reverting back to what it felt like old habits was being more predictable of an offense but um did you so the saints are would you say they're a top five team would you say both teams are top five in the nfc not in the nfl okay Uh, i I wouldn't say not not without drew Brees. without now all respect to teddy bridgewater but without drew Brees, i wouldn't name them a top five team in the nfl but the cowboys yes well, we got to go back to the drawing board on that. But before this, going into this week, yes, the Cowboys were a top three team, uh, in my opinion, and in actual rankings, too. They were top three. I think the Saints were uh, right outside the top seven, something like that. Yeah. Okay, so this game, do you just chalk it up to two good teams going at each other and someone had to lose, or wh- what do you take away from this? Absolutely. Something's got to give, um, especially when you're in the Superdome. It's one of the hardest places to play. Um, especially also after these guys went in there with a chip on their shoulder. We went over there last year and beat the brakes off. Well, didn't beat the brakes off them, but we stopped them. And and yeah. really, to our credit, this year we did too. Alvin Kamara didn't get much going on the ground. Um, you know, he broke off a couple runs, but he didn't do anything great. I mean, the, the truth the truth is in the numbers there. They didn't score one touchdown. Not Michael Thomas, not Jared Cook, no one. 
Um, so not even their defense scored. They did their their did their their job on the defense, but it was yeah. I would chalk it up to just two top ten, top twelve teams going at it, and somebody had to win. And and this time it wasn't Dallas. What do you think um, needs to be fixed by next week against Green Bay? Is there is there anything that you notice that can linger into next week? I feel like the obvious answer is the offensive line. Now that Tyron Smith is going to miss the next game, but what, did you see anything else? Um, aside from the offensive line, we have to get turnovers on the defense. We can stop them. That's great. They're, they've been doing great. But I think we have one interception this entire for the, throughout the I was going to say, days. they're not really, they're not really a turnover forcing team. They just kind of, you know, they, they make plays happen. Their defense isn't terrible, but they're not a kind of enforcer status of a defense that makes you think that this is something to be reckoned with. They've always been like average to good and they just, they can't quite get above that. Exactly there. And the thing is, so when you go into a, a game against a team like that, really, you just have to worry about your, your offense keeping pace with their offense because that's where the points are going to come. Not like in New England, their their winning model, and they had problems with the Bills uh, this week as well. But shit, I think it was in the first drive or the second drive. Devin McCourty had a beautiful pick, and he almost turned it into a pick six. But it was an, it was a great pickoff, and he has that was his fourth on the season. He has one uh, interception per game this season. Not only that, they blocked the punt, returned it for a touchdown. It's just thing, and that is what separates the New England Patriots defense from everybody else's. And when you think about the Patriots or great teams like that, you you gravitate towards their offense first. But the teams that win and win uh, constantly are the ones that have defenses who do force turnovers and can also put points on the board. That's what we need to fix more than anything. Yeah, you know, every every time I watch the Cowboys, I just wonder to myself, like, what's it like to root for a defense that can just that can just take that for any given play there, they may be able to get an interception because you never feel that way watching a Cowboys defense. And so I want I just sit back and wonder, like, what it, what is it like to return an interception for a touchdown, or what what is it like to force a fumble in in the opponent's area? Like, it just um, yeah, we we have to we have to worry about like okay, we gotta stop them by the fifty yard line or before the fifty yard line because then they'll punt it and they can't get you know they'll pin us in between the ten and the fifteen. We have to worry about where we're gonna be after the punt. Whereas yeah. a lot of other defenses with bona fide ball hawks as their uh, as their DBs, those guys can always be like okay, we just gotta pick it off here. We just gotta get a fumble here. And really, it's not that we haven't had the opportunities. There have been multiple drops on our defense. And on the last drive for the Saints this past game, there was a play where Jalen Smith, that guy is so fast. Jalen Smith was <laughs> lined up on their right guard, I think, on their right guard or on their right tackle. The play starts. Teddy Bridgewater drops back. By the time he's at the end of his drop back, Jalen Smith has already come all the way around, around their left tackle, and then got got, got the sack on a on Teddy Bridgewater, he he bum-rushed him. But he takes him down hard, and he takes him down fast, but he doesn't swipe at the ball. That was, I mean, he had him dead to rights. You you do a peanut punch, you do something, that ball's coming out, and there's no one in between the defense and the end zone. That would have been game over right there, and we just can't force those turnovers. I don't understand what it is. And that's the thing that makes me concerned about next week against Green Bay, because Green Bay, they will take advantage of a defense that is not up to par. Like, it's just no question that this is probably going to be a game where we have to depend on outscoring them than defending them well. 
And if the offense and the offense has already already has a leg down with Tyron Smith Tyron Smith leaving, Ezekiel Elliott shows that showed in this game that he can be pretty vulnerable at times. Um, I mean, I know I know Green Bay is not you know a, you know at the very top of the at the very top of the NFL, but that's the kind of team where I mean, especially in the history with the Cowboys, that's the kind of, that's the kind of team where you just have to be on your A game, or else you're gonna lose. There's no way around it. And then yeah. if that happens, then you know there's going to be a lot of questions about this Cowboys team as a whole. Yeah, and and Aaron Rodgers is not somebody that you want to go point for point with. That I mean, it no. doesn't matter if he gets a, the red zone for Aaron Rodgers starts at his own 45 yard line. Like it's crazy that guy can launch the ball 60 yards with ease. You don't want to, especially if you put him. I mean, how many times have the Cowboys put Aaron Rodgers up against the wall with less than a minute left, and he comes back? on a minute drill and, and beats us. I mean, it's too often. You can't do that with Green Bay. I don't care if it's at home. Uh, they're, especially right now with, with their their uh, team coming off a loss, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. We need this win not only to stay above uh, above the rest of the division because the Eagles, the Eagles um, now they're only a game behind and uh, or a game and a half. We got to lose. They got to win. Um, but we we definitely have to go in there with a – with a mindset on turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. That has to be what we work on. They're missing. They're missing their top receiver. So, as long as we can get, oh man, I, and I can't wait for Michael Gallup to come back. He, we desperately need him back yeah. as well. Yeah, and it could be that, and it could be that Amari Cooper has been hobbled. But um, I mean, who knows? We're gonna need to. Um, well, re- regarding the defense, do you think that? Um, this is something you think this is more of a roster situation or more of a defensive staff? Like, what, I mean, I've never asked you. What are your thoughts on Rod Marinelli? I love Rod Marinelli. Rod Marinelli has listen. The defense is their their first goal and their main goal is to stop scoring. Is to stop people from scoring. We've done that pretty efficiently under Rod Marinelli. Um, I mean, he's old as a box as a box of dust. I mean, the guy coughs up dust, but. But I know he's, he's old. He's old as shit. <laughs> yeah, but he's done his he's done his work and he's he's game planned really well. Uh, I think it's just a personnel man. We need to get people out there who are ball hawks. We need a bona fide ball hawk. And Byron Jones seems to be coming into his own. Uh, Cheeto Awuzie is one with the with the one pick on us on the season. Or one pick right. for us on the season. Um, but we just and I love Jeff Heath. I like Xavier Woods. But we we I don't think we've ever had since shit Roy Williams and. Woodson, those guys like we haven't <laughs> yeah. had anybody that 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 is a threat back there that you do not want to throw to. It's and and people take it, offenses take advantage of that, you know. Especially the greats like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. We got Tom Brady later on in the season too. We'll probably yeah. see the Saints again in the playoffs, hopefully, and 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 with Drew Brees. And we have to fix that. We got to get somebody, which is why I really really wanted Earl Thomas, um, but he wanted a little too much money. However, as the season goes on. Do not forget that Eric Berry is still a free agent. Eric Berry is a uh, multiple Pro Bowl uh, defensive back. He's still out there. He came and, and talked and worked out for the Cowboys, but he left without a deal. No one's picked him up yet. I don't know if there's something wrong with, with his health, but uh, if he's healthy, that's somebody who, who the Cowboys need to look out for. Yeah, why is he still a free agent? I, I want to say I, it's got to be a money issue. It has to be, or slash age. Uh, he's not very old. I mean, he's not super old, but I don't think he's yeah. Well, he's thirty, which I guess in football years is pretty old. 
Yeah, yeah, it's not owned for the earth, but it's owned for the gridiron. But um, but still, yeah. I mean, and, well, I mean, he has fought and beat cancer, so I mean, he could have could not be in top top notch health, but but still, I mean, if he's healthy and he doesn't, and as the season goes on, his asking price has to go down a little bit. The Cowboys need to keep an eye out for him. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, like you said, they need that defensive playmaker. They need somebody who, uh, who you know, can just be a leader, an enforcer on that defense. Someone who can, you know, force force turnovers. Because, um, like, against Green Bay, like, I'm not going to be confident against Green Bay unless, like, unless it, we're winning by two possessions. It, like, let's say there's a, there's a minute left. We either have to be winning by two possessions or... The time has to run out. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna believe it until until the game yeah. is over. If that's not the case, yeah, we need to come out. We, I, I don't even know whether you want to receive the ball or kick the ball in the first half because you don't want Aaron Rodgers to strike first and take your morale, but you also don't want to give it to him at the beginning of the second half and hope he's not up. It. it I would. Say, I would say kick it because this offense just has not been has been always been so sluggish to start off games. Just kick it. Just just hope that and you just can hope ride we the way stop your defense him. starts. <laughs> Yeah, just hope you're def- you're, you can ride the wave of the defense because, yeah, this offense has always been shaky to start with. Yeah, I mean, and look, if Devontae Adams stays out with that turf toe, then we have a big, big plus. Um, and, I mean, they're going to be throwing to Jimmy Graham if they're, if they're without Devontae Adams. So we're pretty good on the linebacker front against tight ends. We just – and the big, the big thing is also is that when we've gotten better in recent years – but I feel like in games where we're supposed to – like the, the Green Bay Packers don't have a bona fide running back. They don't have a a, a shutdown like he's going to score no matter what. They don't have that guy. But we tend to turn regular Joe Schmo running backs into, uh, into big names. Now, on yeah. the other side, the Eagles just diced up the Green Bay Packers on the run game. So, And that was True. with somebody who is a much less running back than Ezekiel Elliott. So hopefully – Hopefully, hopefully we can pound the rock and uh, control the clock like that. Okay, so, um, yes, that okay. So, do do you do you expect them to win the next game? I'm gonna say. Let's see. I'll say. Twenty-eight uh, seventeen Cowboys. Okay. 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 All right then. Well then, I guess let's move on. And uh, I think. Last week we were talking more about teams at the top of the league, and um, let's see who can who can consistently stay on top, and which ones are gonna and which ones are gonna flutter. And so this week we want to switch things up a bit and talk about the teams who have not been so hot, and uh, talk about this just just an unlucky stretch, or should they start making moves to sacrifice this season and move on to the draft? So uh, okay, so which team did you want to start off with? I'm going to keep it in the NFC East, and I'm going to go with the Giants. The Like I mentioned earlier, the Eagles are only one game behind the Cowboys. The Giants now, though, are 2-2. Two and two. They're 2-0 and oh with Daniel Jones. No. Yeah, they're 2-0 and oh with Daniel Jones, I think. Yeah, because uh, they, they, yeah, they won last week off of his legendary, his legendary <laughs> debut. And, yeah. then, and then, then beat up on the – and then – well, they beat the Redskins, right? They beat the Redskins this week, but yeah. I mean, still, you know, as, with your rookie quarterback as him, with him as a starter, you're two and zero. They do have a, a tougher schedule. It's not terrible. Um, they are playing up next at home against the Vikings. Then they go to New England, play the Patriots. 
Then they come back home. They get a basically a bye week against the Cardinals. And then they got to go to Detroit and play the Lions. If you can snag two of those wins, it's not going to be easy. But if they can snag two of those wins, um, they're looking at possibly a number two uh, number two in the NFC East. Uh, I mean, but the Cowboys also have a really rough patch coming up right now. The Eagles are barely getting their footing. Um, so the Giants aren't – I don't think it's over yet for them. I think Wayne Gallman came out did exactly what they needed him. He did more than what they needed him to do this week. If he can do it against the Vikings defense, who is mm, top eight in the NFL, I think, then uh-huh. you're going. You're, you're looking good going into the going into uh, New England against the Patriots. And then you come home, you get the Cardinals. That should be a good win. Um, like we said, whenever Saquon went down, if it's a lost cause, they won't bring him back. I think if they can get two games of this four-game stretch, and then they get Saquon back, probably the game after the. After the Lions, they they could still have a chance at a at least a wild uh, wild card. Yeah, that's true. And then um, we got Daniel Jones, two hundred twenty five yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. That had to be the fault of the receivers. I can't believe Daniel Jones <laughs> two interceptions in a game. Well, and but, he uh, gets Golden Tate coming back this week too. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, so they got Golden Tate back. You know, like you mentioned, still waiting on Saquon Barkley. But um, I mean, you're watching. You're watching this. Um, if if you if you were managing the Giants, do you think to yourself that you still have some room to to um, I don't know make a push for the playoffs or at least like an even record or if, if or do you are you phased at all by the past couple of games with Daniel Jones? Because it was against it was against the Redskins and against the Bengals, who were both hot trash right now. Yes, so. which is why if I'm Dave Gettleman, if I am uh, Daniel Jones, if I'm anybody in the within the Giants organization, I it sounds terrible, but I'm basing the rest of my season off of how we play against the Minnesota Vikings this weekend. If they can hold their own, the Vikings have been horrible through the air. Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. and, and Adam Thielen himself has come out with frustrations with his, his uh, quarterback. Kirk Cousins either won't or either can't or just won't throw it down the field. He has arguably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL, and he, he just he won't do it. He doesn't want to throw down the field. They just want to run it all day. The um, the Giants are used to playing against a good a good running back or a good running back by committee, so they, they know how to stop the run. They've experienced the run. Janoris Jenkins has to shut down Adam Thielen and let the rest of the defense worry about Stefan Diggs. Kyle Rudolph, I don't think, will be a factor in this game. But if they can come in and if they can get a win against Minnesota, their hopes should be through the roof. If they can battle with Minnesota and not lose by more than a a scoring drive, then, yeah, I think they should still be thinking that they have a chance, at least a wild card. And um, you mentioned Minnesota, who's another team that we had listed that we were going to talk about. And you mentioned the exact thing that I was going that I wanted to bring up, and I'll add a little bit more context to it, which is the issues with Kirk Cousins and being called out by Adam Thielen. Okay, so okay, so let me re- let me read you some numbers. Okay, so first let me read you some contracts. Thielen is on four years, sixty-four million. Stefan Stefan Diggs five years, eighty-one. Kirk Cousins three years, eighty-four. This is a team that moved on from Teddy Bridgewater, and now they're playing Kirk Cousins, who is being called out by his receivers. And with good, and 
you know, with validation because, okay, so let me ask you first. In, in passing yards per game, where do you think Minnesota is ranked overall? In passing yards per game? Yeah. Uh, they should be. They should be in the top 10. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say 13. They're 31st. Wow. Impa- wow. Passing yards per game, they're 31st. And, pa- and first downs acquired by passes per game, dead last. Jesus Christ. That's with two of the best in the game. Like, how does it... How can you put all your investment into a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, which I know, I mean, I know that he had his his flashes last year, which, I mean, warranted the contract that he got, but surely they knew that this was not the guy that they should be anointing as the next Minnesota quarterback. Like, they should, they, they had to have known that this was coming. He's Maybe not thief. to this extent, but... He's a thief. He might as well be wearing a ski mask. The guy robbed him for eighty <laughs> something million dollars. It's it's they need they they got it. Well, you know, but who are they going to send him to? They can't trade him. Now they got to stick with him. I no, mean, they got to stick with him. They got to I mean, to me personally, I think that they should, you know, start making some moves to gather assets and draft a quarterback with their pick next year because this is not it's not going to end well. There's no there's no way that, you know, Kirk Cousins is just not going to turn it around. I mean, this is a guy who has been around the league for a little while, and his issue and his issue is not with like athleticism or with or with scrambling and like ev- evading a, pr- a defense that's pressuring you or being more precise. Um, you know, in passing, facing a difficult defense. His problem is just passing. Period. His yeah. receivers are pissed off because they just he just doesn't pass. Yes, and and so you said Adam Thielen's contract was four years. Is that correct? Yeah, four years, sixty-four. And he just signed. They just signed that extension this year, correct? And then Stefan Diggs' five-year extension was signed last year, which means both of them are going to be up at the same time. They're not going to keep these two guys. There, there's no way that they're going to be able to pay both of them and Dalvin Cook around the same two-year stretch. It's not going to happen. Yeah. If they want to make something happen with this receiving core, they have to make a move now. Honestly, I would try and trade them to the Steelers. They need a quarterback. They're in a division where they could still compete. Um, Juju, I know, is licking his chops waiting for a reputable quarterback to come in and throw him some footballs. Um, I would try and train him to the Steelers, and then I don't, I don't even know who their backup is. I don't know who their backup is, but... Um, I, shoot, I don't have no idea either. Let me look that up. Go, I mean, go get Tyrod Taylor from San, from Los Angeles. You mean, you, you, how much worse can you be doing? You know, at least if Tyrod can't throw mm-hmm. it, he'll run it. Do, do something. Just get get this guy out of the way. He's stolen from your organization. And I'm not saying tank, but you definitely want to get somebody better in there next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to advocate for tanking too, but they got, there's got to be some kind of reset, some kind of alternative that they got a alternative plan that they got to start considering. Their backup is a guy named Sean Mannion. Sean Mannion? Yeah, who looks like he has done nothing really. No, has bounced, spent the past couple years with the Rams. Or no, yeah, he came into the league in 2015. Has been with the Rams the whole time until this year, and um, 
his his resume is nothing to be impressed about. He looks like a stepdad. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way. Yeah, well, I guess probably that's why they're not moving on because they're going to have to resort to that guy. And I I don't know who else is in the league that is a backup right now that could be a starter for them, but there's got to be somebody. There has to be. Unless this guy, because like you said, you know, he did show out sometimes last year. He has had his big moments. Unless he starts singing that ball, you got to start slinging him around. Put him in the tra- put him on the trading block. Figure out how you're going to get yourself out of this hole and and treat your receivers with the respect that they deserve. Because not only are you going to lose them, but you're going to end up having to run Dalvin Cook into the ground. And this is a guy who's already had an ACL tear before, uh, if not two. And uh, and you're you're literally putting your entire team on his back. He's having to carry that load, and it's not going to end out. It's not going to end up good for anybody. I don't I don't think that there's any team that would be willing to take Kirk Cousins. I just don't <laughs> see it. Ha- I just don't see it happening. Like what? Well, like I mean, at like, this what, what? you sw- trade back with the with the Redskins, get Case Keenum back, and and give them Kirk Cousins. Oh God, man, that guy. <laughs> oh my God. And then the Haskins Haskins didn't look. Th- that much better either. I mean, Haskins, it may just be with time that he needs to get better, but God, yeah, Washington is not that in much better of a scenario either. Yeah, no, they're not. And and Dwayne Haskins, poor guy, he comes in, get, comes in, gets handed a dumpster fire, and then throws three picks. Like at this point, if you start that guy, you're just going to be killing his confidence. You could kill his career if you start him. So just yeah. go ahead and roll with Colt McCoy. Bench Keenum, do whatever you got to do, but but yeah, the the Redskins have their own troubles at quarterback. Mhm, mhm. Okay, all right. You want to move on to the AFC South now? Yeah. So the AFC South, the AFC South. When we wanted to talk about teams, uh, I know we listed a couple of them, and then we just listed that whole division. The entire division, as you mentioned earlier, is two and two, just like our fantasy dreams. Um, that is the epitome of a division that's up for grabs. Now, I think in first place right now, they have the Jags, actually, I want to say. Gardner Minshew, Mustache Mania. The AFC South is there. The Texans could be up there. I could could stand correct. The Texans might be up there. Um, Uh But you have the Texans, the Jags, the Titans, and the Colts. Of those four, who do you like to come out as a division leader? (sighs) Is it weird to say that I I think I'm a believer in Gardner Minshew? I don't think any answer in in that on that question <laughs> would be weird. I I wouldn't oppose any of them really. And it's not because he looks like a total redneck either. He he I mean he had, he's imp- he's impressive. He had a really he had that one really really nice play for a touchdown where he evaded like three different opportunities for a sack and was able to hit the rec- I can't I can't remember who the receiver was, he, but he hit the wide open hero. in the end zone. Yeah, and not only that, but not only not only that, but Leonard Fournette, he was he had his first huge game of the year, 225 yards, and uh, he finally broke through. I mean, he's been solid, but he hasn't had the game to show off the potential that everybody thought that he had, and this was it. You know, coincidentally on the game that Jalen Ramsey misses, but um, yeah, they definitely just, need to pay him, get him back, however they however they can, because you're starting to click, you're starting to fire on all cylinders. They realized what they have in their backfield, and they used them. Um, the thing is that to have a good passing game, you have to have a good running game. And to have a good running game, you got to be threatening with the passing game. 
there's no one way or the other. People have to fear your arm so that they back up and they don't stack the box. And then people have to mm-hmm. fear your run game so that they don't drop too many people back. And it makes it a little easier on Gardner Minshew and on Leonard Fournette and on their receivers. Um, so, I mean, it's not far-fetched to say that they would win, especially when they got DJ Chark over there. Just do-do-do-do-do down the field, DJ Chark. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I personally would say that it's going to be the Texans. If they can get okay. Carlos Hyde. I feel so bad for Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson was – the backup quarterback in Cleveland to Isaiah Crowell. The Browns traded Isaiah Crowell to the Jets. And so Duke Johnson was finally going to be the man. And then they picked up Carlos Hyde and drafted Nick Chubb. And Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb were the men above Duke Johnson. So then they cut Duke Johnson or traded him to the Texans. I'm not sure. So now Duke Johnson's going to be the man in Houston because Lamar Miller go da- goes down. And then the Texans pick up Carlos Hyde. And Carlos Hyde is just following Duke Johnson oh, and ruining man. his dreams everywhere. But as long as they can get – if they can get that run – their offensive line is atrocious. But if they can get some blocks up there, get a run game going, protect Deshaun Watson, the Texans, I think, will take that division. Where Okay, I have another one here for you. Where do you think uh, Deshaun Watson ranks among number of sacks taken in the league? Oh, top five. Yep, he is second, only yeah. behind Carl Kyler Murray. Yeah, and look at how they're doing. <laughs> yeah, not too far off. But um, no, I mean that's the that's the thing really is that that uh, the Laramie Tunsil trade is not looking as great as they were hoping that it would be, and they gave up a lot for him. So hopefully he's able to turn it around for them. But you know the biggest, like you said, the biggest issue is the offensive line. Watson constantly scrambling. Constantly getting knocked down. Um, I mean, he has. I mean, he has the weapons. Like you said, he's got Carlos Hyde and um, shoot, what was the uh, and Duke Johnson. He's got. He's you know he's got Hopkins uh, on defense. On defense, they're they're not terrible. I mean, no, they have JJ I mean, Watt's back. He's healthy. Yeah, he's... they still got. They, yeah, they got JJ Watt. Um, I would question uh, Bill O'Brien. And the management in general, who I think is still missing a general manager. Yeah, so Bill O'Brien and Bill O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, I don't know, they have, um, I mean, just as similar as they are to Jacksonville. I mean, they ha- they clearly have the potential, but they also have glaring issues that they can't, you know, they can't just avoid. They got to they gotta figure out the offensive line, and just like Jacksonville needs to... Um, they need to sort out um, the whole defense and Jalen Ramsey situation, but uh, no, I could I could see either which way it going one way or the other. I think I would kind of start leaning towards uh, Jacksonville though because I just I don't know the Texans are one of those teams where I feel like I just need to see it to believe it. They've been they've been kind of this team that has been up in the air for a while now, and I think I want to see them uh, actually get somewhere before I start believing in their potential. I think we can all say that we all hope that the Jaguars come out swinging and the Jaguars win the division and get to the playoffs and make some noise. Everyone wants Gardner Minshew to come out. We all know that Nick Foles is a phony. He's just a phony <laughs> with a ring. He he's, he's he does this. He does great with the Eagles, and they send him somewhere else, and he shits the bed. Gardner Minshew is a man's man. He's the people's champ. <laughs> Everyone wants to see him succeed. Hopefully the Jags do it. I still think it will be the Texans. Um, but we'll see. That's going to be a very interesting division to keep up with. 
staying in the south real quick but moving over to the nfc my dark horse for the nfc south is actually the tampa bay buccaneers now i'm not riding the wave from last week they put up 55 points against the la rams it's hard to not notice that it's hard to not get on that on that boat with them after that kind of performance um but they're i don't want to say they're real test because the rams are undefeated but i think their biggest test to a division title comes this saturday the next three games are not going to be too easy they have the saints they're at home against the panthers and then they're on the road against the titans then they come back home and get the seahawks for their fourth game but i think if they win this week if they beat the saints this week they bring the saints down to three and two then they're tied with them at three and two at the lead for the for the division uh they need what one two wins while drew Brees is still gone hopefully for them he's gone a little longer than that but if if they want to strike their time to strike is this weekend if they get it done this weekend they're in really really good standing for the rest of the season yeah that's a good point the teams that are competing with new orleans they need to take advantage of this moment too like it's not just about new orleans surviving but it's about how far ahead can the other teams get before drew Brees drew Brees comes back and um I don't know. I'm not that. I'm not as high on the Bucks as it sounds like you are, but I can definitely see it happening given the situation with New Orleans. But um, real quick though, I have to say they're not listed here, but I feel but related since the Buccaneers just put the smackdown on the Rams. Real quick, do you think it's about time that we need to start questioning if Jared Goff is legit or not? I don't. Th- I don't think that. What I do. What we do need to start questioning is what in the hell. Are the LA Rams gonna do with Todd Gurley? What I, he had less than ten carries last game. Like, are you gonna have uh, Malcolm Brown in there half-ass? Are you gonna pull him, bench him? Are you gonna put Todd Gurley in half? Like you and Sean McVay even said it. He said there's there's no like holding back. Like it, we need to win and we need to win now. Well, then act like it. You have arguably the best, easily one of the top five best running backs in the league, probably top three. Um, and you're not using him. Is he hurt? If he is, why is he even out there in the first place? After you've paid him so much, you're going to want to conserve him and save him for, for later on down the road. But if he's not, then they need to take the reins off of Todd Gurley. And that, I think, is what's hurting Jared Goff's game, if anything, really, because he's got three great receivers that he still hits on the reg. Um, Cooper Cup has been a superstar this season. Robert Woods is barely regaining his traction, and Brandon Cooks has been solid every week. Um, so I wouldn't say that... I wouldn't question Jared Goff's game. Uh, I would just question what they're what they're doing and what they want to do with Todd Gurley. I mean, with Goff, I just I know that a lot of teams hand out extensions to their quarterback just as a sign of faith in them and for their development to come. But I still can't get over the huge extension that they gave to him. That felt a little bit too much of a risk to me. And, I mean, I know, like, with every offseason, the next biggest extension is, like, the biggest contract in NFL history. And I think uh, Goff is up there. But, man, that's a whole lot to give to your quarterback who... I mean, where, where, would, you, where would you rank him among quarterbacks in the league? I don't, I don't think he's near the top. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he is. In terms of athleticism, I wouldn't say he is. I mean, the kid's got an arm, but he doesn't threaten really anybody with his legs. So he's... I don't want to say he's one-dimensional, but he's a... A, a simple guy to deal with it's his receivers that are really the trouble if they get open he's gonna hit them um so i wouldn't mm-hmm. say that he's a top quarterback but the way that the market goes and in the position that the rams were in i can understand them paying him um i mean look he he was drafted number one overall right so they yeah 
They drafted him to be the face of the franchise. He really hasn't let them down. I mean, they haven't. They haven't. They didn't do anything last year in the Super Bowl. I mean, they they totally crapped out of the Super Bowl. Um, they only scored three points. He he really didn't do much, but he got them there. You know, and and he's kept them in contention and near the top of the of the of the uh, order for the past few years. Uh, I mean, he, he threw 500 yards this week. Albeit he did throw mm-hmm. three three interceptions. Uh, so yeah, he lost. He, yeah, including one fumble, so he lost it four times and, in total. And he lost a fumble, but that's the kind of thing that happens when all eyes are on the arm because the legs are nowhere to be found. Like not his, not Todd Gurley's, not Browns. Like it's it's a it's a they've had a rough go at it. They should not have lost to the Bucks. If anybody, they should have lost to the Saints this year. But but um, no, I, I can understand it. I understand the payday because it won't be the high. It won't be thought of as a high payday f- in two years or in three years you know that's just the way that the market's going mm-hmm. yeah and like you mentioned i mean with the um the but i mean the buccaneers offense too i mean maybe one thing it could be that and it also could be that we're just freaking out because i mean they were three and oh we were talking about them among the top in the league last week and now they face one loss but i mean a part of it too we have to say is you know buccaneers just coming out on fire you got Jameis Winston, 385 yards and four touchdowns. And um, it's just um, what I I can't remember how much they had been scoring prior to this game. So I can't tell. The Bucks Really? Yeah. They weren't really scoring at all. I mean, it was, they were not doing well. Yeah. Yeah. And so a part of me is wondering, like, this is just, um, and to put the, and to put it up on the Rams too, because I can't tell if this is just like an aberration, just like every single thing went their way, or I mean, you could be right that this may this may be the signs of someone who's ready to take over the division now that they have their opportunity. Yeah, and and the thing, and when I when I if I sound gung ho on the Bucks, it's not so much because of Jameis Winston. However, as however, I I did like Jameis Winston. You know, coming out of college, he was immature. He had the whole thing with the crab legs and stuff, but. I liked the quarterback that he was. I thought he was a, a really good, really athletic quarterback. Him and Mariota, that same year, I really liked that class. Um, but my my enthusiasm about the Buccaneers this year is Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is a G, man. I love that guy. He, he's a great – I really like him too. He's a great coach. I love his hat. He's got a, 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 the utmost style in the league. <laughs> I love him. But, but And he seems like – it seems like they're buying into his system now and, and they're getting Mike Evans going. Mike Evans is a phenomenal wide receiver. Chris Godwin is good. He he's actually been taking most of the targets, uh, most of the yardage, anyways, uh, for the Bucks. But they're getting him going. They need to get their t- their tight end play uh, in order, and they need to figure out who they want their running back to be. This whole two running back thing is not working for them for that uh, situation. So, mm-hmm. I, I, but it seems like they're starting to click, and and when they do. I mean, obviously they're a team that can put up 55 points on the Los Angeles Rams, and that's not somebody that you want to uh, that you want to look away from. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's funny how before this game the Vegas betting line was uh, was the Rams minus nine, and the wow. over under over under for total point points scored was 48.5, and wow. they clearly blew both of those out of the water. They scored like 90 something combined, right, or something like that. Yeah, 95. Yeah, and none for O.J. Howard. 
<laughs> yeah, you want you just you just want to dive right into that too, or do you have anything else to talk about about these middling teams? Yeah, no, those are the highlighted middling teams that I that I wanted to uh, to take a look still, at this week. You still want to talk a little bit about the Browns? Uh, about the Browns? No, yeah. I think I mean the Browns. They're the Browns, right? They they came out. I they... feel like they're kind of correcting themselves now. I mean, I feel like this game against the Ravens, they won forty to twenty five. I don't think this means that this is a, they're a shoe in for the conference championship, but I think this is a sign that they're turning things around. Yeah, they're definitely. I still see them having a winning record uh, this season. I don't see them going ten and six anymore. Um, I just see them as a young bunch who doesn't like to get shit talked about them, so they had to come out and punch some people in the mouth this week and. Maybe it works for them. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't think. I do think that this kind of game against the Ravens is not going to be commonplace for them. They are still mm-hmm. going to struggle. They showed out. I'm, I'm. I mean, good for them. But I don't know what the hell was going on with Baltimore this week. But uh, I mean, yeah. Keep an eye on them. They're leading the division right now. So no disrespect to them. But mm-hmm. um. But it's something to something to keep an eye on. Okay. All right. OJ Howard, I'll let you have the floor. Why okay. do you want to dump him so badly? If you have OJ Howard on your fantasy football team, as I've heard many people do before already this season, I'm sure you've cursed him to the high heavens. <laughs> I, I would go ahead and advise you to drop him as soon as you can. Forget it. Forget about it. Just let him go. I know you probably drafted him before the sixth round, before the seventh round. You probably had him high. You have high hopes for him. You think he's an athletic, uh, an athletic tight end. He did pretty well last year. He was great in college. I understand, but he's not doing it for you right now. He's just not. In four weeks in fantasy football, in PPR rankings, he's got five points, zero points, nine points, and six points. He has a total of ten receptions in four weeks. O.J. Howard's not going to do it. Cameron Brate's not going to do it. I feel like Jameis Winston doesn't care about his tight end right now and honestly back when uh, Bruce Arians was in Arizona I don't think they had a top tight end either it's not gonna happen go ahead drop him don't worry about the name don't worry about how high you drafted him you gotta make moves if you want to get wins OJ Howard is ready to go in place of him I don't know if you guys remember a legend by the name of Benjamin Watson he's got a ring with the Patriots back in about 98 or something like that but uh (laughs) But he's coming off his suspension this weekend. If you're hurting for a tight end and you have O.J. Howard, maybe you don't drop him because he's your only guy. I, I'm going to venture to say that Ben Watson is owned in probably less than 5% of leagues. Um, but I will uh, verify that for you right now. Um, but that's a, a move that you should... Uh, yes, he's rostered in 2.4% of leagues on ESPN. Drop O.J. Howard. Pick up Benjamin Watson. You know how much Tom Brady loves his tight ends, and this is a guy who he's already won a Super Bowl with. So that's somebody that he'll be looking forward to, to, to have him back on the field. Yeah, with, I mean, with the Patriots' run of picking up players who are down on their luck, I mean, they, they were off on the last guy, but let's hope they steer the course with Watson. Yeah, exactly. And and people are going to say, oh, he's 38, you know, what's he going to do? Well, Tom Brady's about 73 years old, so he doesn't really care about age. As long as yeah, you get open and, and you're good with him, he's going to hit you. And uh, and he loves, like I said, he loves that tight end position. Um, uh, I, okay. do you, who, 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 who's your top receiver, JP, on your my team top, right My top receiver, let me see, Odell Beckham. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, he had a down week this week, I think, right? But it's not terrible. 
Yeah, he, uh, let me see here. What did he have? Yeah, it was weird. He, you know, with a team, I was, I didn't watch the game. I wasn't looking at updates of the game. I see afterwards that they scored 40 points. I was like, oh, hell yeah. That means OBJ got me some points. <laughs> man, got, man got me four points. <laughs> yep. What is that about, OBJ? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely understand that, that, uh, that anger there. I would have been pissed off. Uh, whereas on the, on the other side of it, Jarvis Landry finally showed up for a game and he dropped a ton of points. Um, but neither sure. of those receivers were being drafted. They may have been here and there, but their ADP I don't think was in the first round. Who was and usually was being drafted around 8 to 11 was Juju Smith-Schuster. With, with Ben Roethlisberger behind center, I could understand that. Without him, with Mason Rudolph back there, Juju is... He, I, he's just not going to get it done. I don't think he's going to get it done. He's He had 20 points last week, which was his highest scoring week, but that's that comes on the heels of he had one humongous pass and he had a touchdown, so that's you can already take 14 points off the board for that. Um, he's got 13, 13, 20, and 4. Make that 13, 13, 6, and 4. Um, he's the only receiver that you that you or I can name on the, uh, on the Pittsburgh Steelers, unless you have somebody else, but I, I, I don't. I don't think you know the entire receiving core because Juju was the name that it, that was, was a household name for them, right? And he's mm-hmm. not living up to it. However, he hasn't completely shit the bed yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I still think that he has some kind of value if you have Juju Smith-Schuster and you're hurting or middling or you have a losing record. I'd get as much as you could for him right now. Um Sell him, sell him as high as he's gonna get. I think is, you know, I won't say high because he hasn't been doing great, but as high as he'll get, because his next game is against the Baltimore D. And then he's got the Chargers defense, and then he's got a bye week. You're gonna go three weeks basically without any production from that position. I would trade him as fast as I can, and if I was gonna trade him for somebody else, and you wanted to make something that could look on paper like a lateral trade right now, I would trade him for DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins has not been doing anything. He's ranked as wide receiver number 22 in PPR rankings right now. Um, He's only averaging about 15 or 16 points a game. But that is against the – give me a second, sorry. That is against the New Orleans Saints, the Jacksonville Jaguars with Jalen Ramsey, the Chargers, and the Panthers. This this stretch of games that he has coming up, in those three or four weeks that you're going to be struggling with Juju – DeAndre is going to be playing the Falcons, the Chiefs, the Colts, and the Raiders. You, if you want production and you need it now, if you're in a losing, if you're in a losing situation, I would trade Juju Smith. And if you could, I would trade him for DeAndre Hopkins. His owner's got to be pissed right now. He's very frustrated. He's only he had one good week, which was the first week of the season. No touchdowns since then. He probably wants to get rid of him. And Juju's going to look like a lateral trade. In three weeks, though, you won't be able to get DeAndre Hopkins anymore. So if you can trade for him now, which is, it's it's so weird because the Steelers completely blew out the Bengals, who are terrible, twenty-seven to three. Mason Rudolph played really well; he had two hundred twenty-nine yards and two touchdowns. But it just wasn't it just wasn't going Juju's way at all. There were four. Let me see here. There are four people ahead of him on total yardage, and number one is James Conner. They're using Conner both in the backfield and in the air. J- James Conner led in receiving with 83 yards and a touchdown. But um, yeah, you know, and, he's, he, and then, he's just not targeting Juju. He's just not. And then not only that, but now they're using. Uh, and I hope I don't get this name wrong. But now they're using Jalen Samuels 
who is their backup to James Conner, they used him as a quarterback this 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 uh, game. Yeah, I saw that. That was really interesting. He went three for three with 30 yards and is also in front of Juju for yardage. Yeah, and he had uh, a good amount of catches as well. So you that's another receiver you're putting out there. And then when you put him behind center, now you, you're throwing James Conner out wide or going, going on a route, and that's just another target that you get away from Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, shout out to my boy Wallow real quick because he had Juju this uh this week and uh-huh. he, he went into monday night's game uh his opponent was up by five points and he didn't have anybody left to play and wallow was down by five points and had juju smith schuster going up against the Bengals defense monday night it was all but one for him he was in the air uh coming back from uh, across the country he <laughs> gets off his plane to see that juju smith schuster could not score five and a half points in a fantasy football game oh no how many points did he end up with total who is that juju yeah four yeah. four points oh my god yeah juju smith who, who you take who who i think wallow drafted at number 13 overall scores four points oh, against man. the Bengals. It, it it was horrendous so i'm sure he that wants to trade him I'm sure he wants to trade him right now, and, and uh, if anybody else has him, I, I advise you to do the same thing. Yeah, that's as compelling a case as any. Uh, I'm sorry, Wallow. I'm sorry <laughs> that, that you now have trust issues. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then the the last person on break. the last person on my drop. Uh, I just wanted to highlight a few players. The last person I, I have on, uh, dropping this week is going to be Josh Allen. Now, don't drop him if he's your only quarterback, but if he's your second quarterback and, and you don't field two quarterbacks or you don't start two quarterbacks, um, I would go ahead and drop him. He's in the concussion protocol. If anybody saw that game, he got killed out there. It was horrible. I mean, we were, mm-hmm. I, I was literally sitting there and I just fell silent because it was bad. I mean, it was, it was disgusting. And then he runs off the – well, he didn't run off the field, but he goes to the sideline and then runs to the back. He's in the concussion protocol right now. Um even if he were to be able to come back this week, which he's not going to, but if he were to be able to come back this week, he'd be going to uh, Tennessee to play against the, the Titans in their defense, and then next week he has a bye week. If you have space on your roster to stash him until week seven and you and you really don't hurt for a quarterback right now, then, yeah, stash him until week seven when he plays at home against the Dolphins. That's going to be a for sure win and a great game for him. Um, but if you have another quarterback and he's kind of just your backup, I'd go ahead and drop him. And if you want to drop him and you don't have another one or you're hurting for quarterback here, I would pick up Jacoby Brissett. He's only owned in 33% of ESPN leagues, and he's averaging about 24 points a game. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's not being noticed. I don't know why. I guess it's still like a hangover from Andrew Luck, but or people just don't believe that he can do it. They're just waiting for the other shooter drop. He played without T.Y. this week, and, and he's, still, he's still putting work. Um like I said, he's only owned in the third of leagues. If you have a situation where you're looking for a quarterback or your quarterback's on bye or hurt or something, or you had Andy Dalton, um, I would drop him <laughs> and, and get to Kobe Brissett ASAP. Yeah, no, thank goodness. Um, yeah, that, that's always my bad habit in fantasy is always waiting until a little too late because I always like to use my first few picks on, you know, wide receiver, running back. And then I have a bad habit of just waiting until just a little bit too late to get a quality quarterback. Uh, this year, thankfully, I was able to avoid that. I got Matt Ryan. But um, 
You know, there was a point last year where I waited so long to get a quarterback, I was stuck with, like, fucking Blake Bortles for a little while. Oh, no. <laughs> it was so bad. Booming Blake Bortles. I know. I know. And, uh, Brissett, definitely better than Boyles. He could, you could definitely do worse off than Brissett. Yeah, absolutely. And he has a complete team. I mean, he's got uh, a bona fide number one uh, wide receiver. He has, uh, Mac in his backfield. He's he's got a good team around him. He has two really good tight ends. He just has to pick between the two of them. Um, you know he has all the weapons at his disposal. He has a really good O line too, or you know better than they have been in recent years. Um, mm-hmm. He he's not a he's he's not somebody to just forget about. He's ranked number thirteen right now in PPR leagues. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for somebody, if you're struggling right now, Jacoby Brissett, Jameis Winston also to a certain extent, but I think right now Jacoby Brissett's probably the the sure shot. Off of the way, we'll yeah, wear. I think he would be more reliable. Um, yeah, Winston is really volatile. He can put up three touchdowns one game and then two interceptions and a fumble the next game. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then anything else on football you want to touch? No, I think that's going to be it for the NFL for fantasy for me this week. Okay. All right. Basketball. Yesterday was media day. We're that much closer to getting basketball back in our lives. There's a, there was a couple preseason games going on, I think. I know the Rockets had a preseason game. But um no, we wanted to take some time leading up to the leading up to the opening tip off of the season. I think is on the 23rd, I think. Um the 12 Tuesday, no, let me see. I need to check to see which is the first game of the year. But um no, I think one of the games that uh one of the things that we wanted to go over was just hit off some random topics and just a little bit about what the storylines are going to be in the NBA this coming year. And um, things to be on the lookout for. And one of the things that first I wanted to look at was to first reflect back on the two teams that made it to the finals last year, the Warriors and the Raptors. And um, I think this is the first time that it's ever happened. I don't remember there ever being a point in history where two teams went to the finals and then proceeded to lose their best players in free agency the following summer. But Wow, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's the reality of that's the reality of the situation. We got Toronto who is actually playing in the first game of the year. The first game of the year is actually Tuesday, October 22nd. They're going to be opening the season against Zion and the Pelicans. But they don't have they don't have Kawhi. Warriors don't have KD, um, and so the rest of the the rest of the league obviously really shook things up. There's a whole lot of gelling that teams across the league have to do. There's never been um, much more player movement than there has been this summer, and the Raptors and Warriors are no are no exception to that. So I wanted to see a little bit more about what you thought about whether or not the Warriors or the Raptors. I don't know if. Getting back to the finals is a fair question, but which team do you think will go further? Because it feels like the Warriors kind of rebounded a little bit better, at least getting D'Angelo Russell out of the deal to that sent Kevin Durant to the Nets. And the Raptors didn't really replace Kawhi with anybody, nor the nor Danny Green. But at least they have the case of being in a weaker conference, whereas the Warriors in the West, that's going to be a total bloodbath all over again. Yeah, I, I still think... I, I still think the Warriors have a better chance of making it further, whether it be the finals or not. I mean, if it's the finals, they definitely have a better chance than the Raptors. But even to the conference finals or, or to the second round, I don't see the Raptors having much luck in the postseason. I don't. I, I mean, 
because now they're without Kawhi. They've got Kyle Lowry. They have. They probably still have ninety-five-year-old Serge Ibaka, and they mm-hmm. have. Uh, I, I, I mean, well, Siakam, right? He, he's yeah, Pascal Siakam. So I mean, they're not bums, and they are in a in a weaker conference, but it's not a weak conference. You know what I mean? Like just because it's a lesser conference in the West, they're still gonna have hurdles with. A young Sixers, a young Celtics, uh, Giannis, and then and the and the Bucks. I I don't see the Raptors having much luck. I still think the Warriors. And yeah, they did lose KD and they lost Klay Thompson to injury, but he should be back maybe sooner rather than later. Um, and they did a good job in refilling his position with uh, D'Lo. But I just think that they they have they have it. They have more than the Raptors do. I think the Warriors have have a chance, and I think the Warriors. I would put money on them getting further than the Raptors. Even being in the West. Yeah, well, the big question with the Raptors is how much of a believer you are in Pascal Siakam. Because last year, he definitely made improvements and kind of, um, I don't know about second best player or third best player, but he definitely took the mantle as far as the core of the Raptors. They definitely don't win the finals without him. But is he ready to be the star? Do you, is, is Kyle Lowry the star now? It's a, I mean, they, they still have a, a good roster, but, you know, Losing Kawhi, you lose your best player, arguably the best player in the league. You lose Danny Green, who's one of the most solid 3 and D guards out there. Um, I mean, they just have a lot of they have a lot of questions to face, not only about this year, but you know, for the future to come. Now that now that you know they got their championship, lost their best player, you know, what do they do from here? Do they just keep going? It's it feels like they're just going to keep going from here, and then for the Warriors, yeah, just like you said. Um, no Clay Thompson for at least through the All Star break, but um, I I do think that it's I I don't think that it's over for the Warriors. It's like of course it sounds terrible losing Durant and Clay Thompson, uh, you know Durant permanently Thompson due to injury, but I just don't think that they're done yet. I do think that if Clay comes back and he can be you know close to what he was last year. I mean, he really bailed them out of the finals. Like, they were the reason that they did not get swept or lose in five games. Like, it was it was, it was, was bad how much they needed Klay Thompson, especially with Kevin Durant out at the time with uh, his calf strain. But um, I think when he comes back, they do have an argument to make it again to the conference finals, maybe the finals, because they still have Draymond. They still have Steve Kerr. Curry, who I think Steph should kind of be on the lookout for MVP again. I think this is a year where he just kind of takes control again. Kevin Durant's not around, and with Clay not around, he really has to pick up the pace and just lead the team, carry the team on his back, back to the playoffs. Because if he if he's not on his A game throughout the year, there is a legitimate possibility that they miss the playoffs. And Steph Curry is Steph Curry. He's not going to allow that to happen. So I think that... Um, I think that they still have a chance to get back to it. I mean, it's going to be extremely tough, but I think they still have a chance. Yeah, and I feel like if, if they make it to the uh, playoffs, if they get it, if they make it even, especially with a high seed, he is definitely in the top talks for an MVP because he will have played most of the season without those guys. Um, and and yeah, he he's got to solidify that. Well, he doesn't have to, but I feel like yes, he is going to solidify this year that. Hey, yeah, you know, I had a great cast and we were a great team, but you know, don't forget who I am. You know, don't. It's gonna remind a lot of people that this is Steph Curry's team. You know, it is, and I understand that Kevin Durant was the best player 
for the last few years. But Steph Curry almost built this house. I mean, him and and uh, I'm not even gonna say Steve Kerr because it was really Mark Jackson. But um, but yeah, I, I feel like he he should be in the talks for the MVP. I won't say that that he'll be top five preseason rankings for MVP. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make it to the playoffs. I honestly don't think that he wouldn't deserve it. They have really, really... The one thing that would hold them back is that they have bad depth issues. So after Curry, Russell, Draymond, and Clay, how many other Warriors can you name? Well, Iguodala's gone, right? So not yeah. him. No more Iguodala. Another thing we should have mentioned earlier, no more Iguodala. That's a big deal. Um, oh, uh, the kid from... Uh, fucking bell right do they still have jordan bell no he's in minnesota now really <laughs> yeah uh yeah no then i, I don't off the top I, don't, I mean i'll have to sit and think but uh, yeah they got what about a uh, mushmouth the guy looks like mushmouth from uh, fat albert <laughs> livingston sean livingston is he gone <laughs> he's retired <laughs> okay yeah then I, but yeah, i mean depth issues depth issues whatever so do the lakers you know and, and you know that lebron's still gonna be in the talks for the mvp yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like I would lean more toward the Lakers because, like, what with, with the Warriors, it drops off dramatically, and it like, doesn't with the Lakers. I mean, you can you can still name guys on the Lakers, not not people who are staples, not guys who are going to make a huge difference. I can name Anthony Davis, LeBron James, that Robinson Caruso kid, <laughs> and he's there. <laughs> Um, uh, Danny Green, obviously. Um, and Kuzma's hurt, right? He he he's gonna be hurt for a while. Uh, yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna open the season with them. I think he's gonna miss like the first, maybe the first week or so. I mean, and and who with what what Dwight Howard? You gonna tell me that Dwight Howard is gonna make a difference on that team? <laughs> Dude. Hey, man, it's po- it's possible. It's possible. Why, why not JaVel McGee? Why are you writing off JaVel McGee? I hate JaVel McGee. <laughs> I do not like JaVel McGee. Oh, my him God. And, him and his damn rat tails. God, I don't <laughs> like that guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's be- yeah, he's terrible. But, no, I mean, <laughs> they do have some pieces that I like, though. I mean, they still have – did you say Rondo? They still have Rondo. They, okay, uh, Rondo's on his last leg, though. <laughs> and, and uh was it they they took from the warriors they got quinn cook from the warriors who's not a big name oh, yeah, but, but it's he's a not decent, bad yeah yeah he, yeah and they got contavious caldwell pope they got um avery bradley who's not another big who's again not a big name but someone who's reliable i mean it's it's not that much better but at least they got some people who we can recognize not people who probably sound like they should be in the d-league or on a two-way contract or something. Yeah, but I feel like LeBron James is just going to overshadow all of those guys. And not only in the media, but he's just going to overplay them. I mean, that's what he done. They won in, in Cleveland, but the only other people that a lot of people really knew were Kyrie and, and Kevin Love. But, you know, you had terrible Della Vadova, who was a good supporter, but he, <laughs> you know, got. you just don't look at those guys. LeBron James, and now especially with Anthony Davis and bum-ass Dwight Howard, those th- those three guys are just gonna they're just gonna overshadow the rest of these kids. Whereas, on the other end of that, I think 
Steph Curry and and Steve Kerr do a better cha- do a better job of including all these kids. I don't think Quinn Cook is going to be as um uh what what would I what am I looking for here? As essential in LA as he was in in for the run for the Warriors that he was in Golden State. I just I don't think they're going to be the same players. Yeah, and I mean that's that's possible. I mean, obviously LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to take up most of the possessions, but you know, as much as they are going to be in front of the team, they do need that supporting cast, and I think those is, those are the times when those guys do come in. I do think that I do think this is a, this is a weird roster. I don't think that they're going to win the title, but but they're definitely up there, and I feel like they have enough of a not the greatest supporting cast, but I think they have enough pieces to get them to the finals. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see on that cuz yeah, these like I said, this is a weird roster. There's some pieces that you don't really ex- know exactly how they're going to match up well, but I don't know, we got to we got to wait and see. Yeah, but it, it, and if you're part of that supporting cast in Los Angeles, you better not mismanage the clock. You better not miss a game time shot. You better not do anything cuz Danny LeBron will have your ass traded. I don't think anybody <laughs> knows where JR Smith is right now. <laughs> Ever since he he had that cor- oh, yeah. horrible clock management, he's he's fallen off the face of the earth. Um, oh yeah. So, so yeah, yeah I mean, who hiding. knows how long these these guys are even going to be around? Because if they mess up, they're going to be gone. Okay. All right. So, next teams I wanted to talk about. Okay. Both teams with ties to Kyrie Irving, the Nets and the Celtics. Which which team do you expect? to do better how how much does the Kyrie move affect both teams what 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 were, what were your initial reactions seeing that Kyrie Irving who was like responsible for kind of a shit show last year in, in Boston kind of led the team on talked about at the beginning of the year how he wanted to resign and then over the course of the year just shut down those conversations and it became evident as to why is because he actually did not want to sign there and went and left to Brooklyn so um I mean, do do you think that Kyrie is better off in Brooklyn? Do you think Brooklyn is better is better off with Kyrie and the the Celtics? I mean, they ha- they get to move on from the drama, but you look at their roster, are they really that much better? Do you think that just the chemistry itself will even things out or what were you thinking? I like Kemba Walker, but I think the Celtics would have been best off with their their click that they have now, the young kids that they have, they're good. It's a good core that they had even before Kyrie and, and Gordon Hayward came in. I think they would have been best off building around that that team, that group of kids, because then they know that they're running the show there. Um, but I do like Kemba Walker. I think they're – I don't want to say they're going to be better, but it'll be, a, it'll be a better environment. It'll be a better locker room, I think, with Kemba yeah. in there instead of Kyrie. Um, Brooklyn – I think is for this season. I think they're worse off. When KD comes back, then they'll be better. But Kyrie Irving, I think, has proven to us all that he is not—he's not fit to be the guy on a team. He can't. He's a—he's a, a phenomenal. And and we—I mean, you and I have had this argument multiple times throughout the years because I've always thought that Kyrie was top, top or top three point guards in the league, and and. You, you know, we've butted heads on that a, a few times. So I'm not saying he's not a good point guard, but he's not the guy. He needs he needs somebody no. else is what he's showing us. So, yeah, when, when KD comes back, I think the the Nets are going to be – they're going to be scary. 
and I and I just love the culture of the Brooklyn Nets. Did you see their new basketball court? The 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 black and gray court. That is a really badass court. Fuck yeah, it is sick. <laughs> and and I really liked the the dark wood that they had last year. Like that was a cool court too. But this one is super badass. Like it, it they're just, eh, for lack of a better term, they're just cool. Like they're they're just they are it's just a cool franchise. It's a cool team. Um, but, it's a group of likable guys. Yeah, on a like on a likable team that has good style. I mean, it has all the especially whenever Kevin Durant comes back, it it has. It has all the makings of a fan favorite. Yeah, yeah. And so when KD comes back, with the addition of both of them, they'll be better off. But as it is right now without KD and just with Kyrie, I, I don't think they're going to see a huge change. Now, I'm not going to say that they'll fall to the last place seed in the in the, uh, in the the East because it's the East, right? They still have a chance. But, but I don't think that it's going to be leaps and bounds above where they were with D'Angelo. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, it's a lot to devote a chunk of your cast space to Kevin Durant, who's not going to be around in the first year. It's, I mean, it's kind of, um, it's really hard to think about what exactly should you be taking away from this year because this is not the team that you're hoping for. This is not the team that, when it's at its peak, will consist of, of you know, these top players. You know, you're missing the best player on your roster and so I don't really know how exactly you can assess a team without your best player I mean if it's just going to be an experimental year I don't expect them to go that much that much further I think this past year they got knocked out in the first round and I kind of would expect that again and um but I mean they I mean there's a there's a sign of hope they were able to get out of the hell that they've been through the past few years that stems back from that Garnett and Paul Pierce trade where they gave up all of their assets and they're finally back on track. But um, with Boston, Boston I'm really worried about because a lot of it depends on their young guys, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. It depends on those guys really breaking through. And you can put Gordon Hayward in that conversation, too, because the guy hasn't been the same ever since he severely dislocated his ankle. And, um, you know, they just need guys to emerge. And especially with Horford gone, you know, the, talk, the conversation has been about how Kyrie Irving left. We can't forget about Al Horford, who was, he, he was the glue guy. He was the guy that kept the team together. He was likable by everybody. You know, Boston, he was a guy who'd never put up very big numbers, but he was the guy who you could just always depend on. He was the reason why, uh, not this past year, but the previous year, he was the reason why they were able to beat the Sixers because he was a guy who just went about his own business and shut down Joel Embiid. And now that guy is gone, along with Kyrie Irving. So if they have any hope of advancing, they have got to see improvements from Jalen Brown, from Jason Tatum, from Gordon Hayward. There's just no ways about it. If those guys are about the same as they were last year, or maybe just making incremental improvements, yeah, they're you can't take them seriously. Yeah, I completely forget. Where did Horford go? He went to the Sixers. Oh, laters. Yeah, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough hole to climb out of. Um, I, I still think I think that they're good. I, I like Jason Tatum a lot. Jalen Brown, obviously, is, he can he holds his own. He's better than the average bear. Um, but I I still think that they're a force. You know, I, I think that they're mm-hmm. somebody to be reckoned with. I don't think that they'll make it to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. 
um, yeah, that was going to be somebody my... else to really fill those Horford shoes. Um, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, do you see do you see them beating either Milwaukee or Philadelphia is the big question because those those teams seem like they're the ones at the top of the East, probably the conference finals matchup, unless somebody proves otherwise, and I don't think Boston can do that. No, yeah, no, I don't think I don't see them beating either of those teams, Philadelphia or Milwaukee. No, I I do see them beat the Raptors. I think they can beat the Raptors. Um, I think they can beat the Nets without KD. Uh, but I don't see them beating Milwaukee. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think those are by that big of a margin either. Like if you put the Celtics up against the Nets or the Raptors, I think that's a series that goes six or seven games. Like I, I don't, I don't see you know unless they're in the top half of the bracket facing like the seventh or eighth seed. I don't see them winning a series you know in lopsided fashion. I think if I think they're just gonna have to gutted out every series that they're in if they even make it past the first round. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't that. know. Okay. All right, then. Okay, so last but not least, we got a guy back in OKC who was traded there for Russell Westbrook. Arguably on his last legs. To some, he's on his last legs. To others, he can, he still has it but it remains to be seen if he can pull it off in OKC. You're talking about Chris Paul. Chris Paul, who um, went through media day uh, with, the, with the Thunder, he seemed pretty, um, he seemed in good spirits. He talked a lot about how, I don't know how many people remember, but at the start of his career in New Orleans, that was the same year that Hurricane Katrina happened, and so the New Orleans uh, Hornets at the time were temporarily housed in OKC. So he does have some familiarity with OKC. Talked about it being a homecoming of sorts. But um, I, given the direction of the team, I don't think that he... I would be very surprised if he finishes the year in OKC. I just don't think that this is where he should be long-term. I think OKC sees that as well. Um, it's really just finding a team willing to take on that contract because his contract is enormous. But um, I don't know what were, what were, what are your thoughts? I, do you, do you think that there's any value of keeping him in OKC, or do they think no. they need to start looking around the block and see what they can get for him? No, I think when OKC let uh, Russell Westbrook go, I think that was basically them waving the white flag and calling for a rebuild. I don't think that they have any intentions on keeping Chris Paul around for longer than half the season, or however long, the, where, wherever the trade deadline is. Uh, I think that they're just using him, you know, they were grasping at straws, trying to get something with some leverage to uh, somebody that, that'll be a good trading chip for somebody else. I mean, possibly the Lakers, or, you know, some team that, that is in need of a of a point guard, uh. but not not super flashy because I'm of the school of thought that he is on his last legs. And, uh, you know, I, I love Chris Paul. I like Chris Paul a lot. I don't like him too much on the court. I feel like he complains a lot, but I like the fact that he – I just like him for how he idolized Tim Duncan. Um, so I, I respect him, I, but I feel like he's better off somewhere else and the Thunder are also better off without him or using using him to get – even if it's a pick – but yeah, the question is, who's gonna pay? What what is what are the numbers on his uh, on his contract? Do you know? Uh, let me let me pull that up right now. But let me let me ask you in the meantime, what team do you think needs to be thinking about making that move for him? The Lakers. Yeah, you mentioned, 
Like Man, it, if you yeah, if you think that their depth if you think their depth is bad, just wait and see what it would be like after they trade for Chris Paul. They would have to get they would have to give up everybody to get Chris Paul. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I, I mean, who else? I mean, there's not there's not what I can't tell you who even has that money because I I don't know the exact numbers. I know you're putting them up, but I know that they're astronomical. Yeah, he, yeah. This year he's making thirty eight. Oh my god. Next year next year he's making forty one and then the following year he's making forty four. Jesus Christ. <laughs> put him in the that's put all, him in the that's almost ha- in the back that's of the patrol car with Kirk cap. Cousins, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, that's almost half the salary cap. That's crazy. Yeah, no, I don't I mean what, do they what what happens if they cut him? They just gotta eat that loss? Yeah, they they yeah they still gotta pay him. And then is all that dead money? Like they have to pay him the rest of his contract? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, maybe he is gonna stay in OKC. But I mean, there's there's gotta be teams. I because he definitely is. I don't think he's gonna finish out his contract in OKC. So there's gonna be a team that bites the bullet and thinks that they just have to. I mean, they understand the contract implications and how it kind of sets them up for you know financial stricture, but. There's got to be a team that can that that convinces themselves that they need to make this move. <laughs> um, I think it could be. I mean, like you said, the Lakers. I don't even know if they have the money to pull this off. They may not even just be able to, just given their contract situations. They also can do it with um, Miami. I know the Miami was in conversations with them before. They tried to make that deal done over the summer, but they just never agreed on a deal. They want to find somebody to pair with Jimmy Butler. And uh, in Milwaukee, I think they are short. Oh yeah. A third. I think they're short a third creator, and they're kind of Paul because I think they have to show to Giannis that they're serious about winning. And he has a good supporting cast, but no one to really. I mean, he has Chris Middleton, who is really good, but no one to really just like carry the team the way that Chris Paul can. So. I'm looking at some figures right now, and I think I need some clarification on here because it looks like every single team except the Atlanta Hawks are in the negative when it comes yeah, to cap space. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no hard cap in basketball. Like the the salary, the salary cap in basketball okay. is more of like a guideline. And so when when you go over the cap, it's still okay. But then there's a certain number beyond the cap that if you hit it, you start have to pay in taxes. So the the so teams like to be in that wiggle room in between the cap hold the cap uh, ceiling and the and the tax ceiling because you're in between that you can still navigate over the cap but uh, not have to pay additional taxes for it. That yeah, being the yeah. luxury tax space. So in essence, the Atlanta Hawks luxury tax is twenty four million, and their available cap space is one point five million. Does that mean that they have twenty five point five million dollars to um, work with? Let me see here. I I think that'll get them from the positive. Yeah, to the I would say that 24. you're right because they don't really have anybody. Uh, I mean, they don't have anybody really. They're kind of just uh, all in on their on their young players who don't have uh, big contracts left over. So um, I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the, the Hawks would be the ones with the biggest salary. But I don't think it would make sense for the Hawks to take on Chris Paul because they're all locked in on their youth movement with Trey Young. Oh, that's right, Trey Young. 
Yeah, so I mean, I mean, and even at that, even if they did want to, they still can't afford it with as much money as he's supposed to be making. That that there's no one in the league right now that can. What I mean, according to these figures, but yeah, I understand that there's no hard cap. So yeah, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for somebody to do it. They're gonna have to cut loose a lot of players, and I, I just, I don't know why, you would cut unless you're only one piece away from winning the championship. I can't merit cutting a group of young talent in order to afford uh, Chris Paul. Because you can't cut scrubs either because they have to be good enough to be earning a high dollar yeah. right, to clear up. Yeah, and that's the thing with Chris Paul is that there's no way to maintain your roster while adding Chris Paul. You're going to be making sacrifices to add him and you just have to ask yourself, is it worth it? And um, I think there's a couple teams who, if Miami or Milwaukee makes that trade for him, I I think that's worth it. I think Miami Miami doesn't really have any other way of obtaining a star. They have to go with whoever is on the trade market, and the the only players really on the trade market are Paul, uh, Bradley Beal from Washington, Kevin Love in Cleveland, and that's and that's about it. And uh, I think of them, I think that the player that would be most complimentary to Jimmy Butler is Chris Paul. And the same case in Milwaukee, I think Giannis would benefit from having one of the smartest point guards in history by his side. And so it it would it would gut the roster. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a dangerous move. Yeah, it would move it would gut there. the roster, but I think it's worth it. I think that that can be the move that can set them over the top and lead them to the finals. I mean, uh, really, I don't see many people in Milwaukee that if you lose them, it's like, oh man, that really hurts their chances. You know, aside from Giannis and and Middleton to a certain extent, because Middleton isn't even that big a superstar in my eyes, anyways. But um, but yeah, I I think that they can stand to uh, to sacrifice a, a good core for for somebody who's gonna bring in who's gonna be a real facilitator. Yeah, for yeah, games. and that's that's yeah, that's my whole that's my whole thing is that they have a lot of good players, but no one that you're gonna say would you rather have this guy or Chris Paul? Not that many of those kinds of guys on that team, and it is going to screw them in the salary cap. <clears throat> but they gotta make moves, and they gotta show Giannis that they can. Um, they got to show Giannis that he's worth um, staying around long term because, you know, he's going to be up for the Supermax soon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if you don't show him, he's going to be okay. gone. Very Where do you soon. think he ends the season? Yeah. Chris Paul? Uh, yeah. I guess after talking numbers, I think, I think it might just be too tight a window to get him out this season. But I definitely do definitely don't no you know what <laughs> screw it he's gone this season he's <laughs> he's he's going and he's going east whether it be miami or milwaukee i, I think he'll go to miami actually yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say that too i feel like it would make more sense for milwaukee to do it <laughs> but they also seem like the type to just keep their roster together and not make any huge changes so i think he ends up going to miami mm-hmm. miami is all in on getting a star they want to get another star no matter what but um yeah so i think they're going to make moves, and I think it's going to be for Chris Paul. Yeah, and that won't be a terrible move. I mean, Jimmy Buckets is really good, and he's and he'll be down there. He'll be playing the what? Yeah, he's two or two, three. right? Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be vying for the yeah. point guard. Yeah. Okay. All right, then. Well, I think that just about does it. Do you have any other thoughts? Uh, no, I think that's it for us. Um, thank you guys for listening. For those of you who have been listening, and uh, keep coming back. Thanks. Let us know uh, if there's anything you want to hear, if there's any questions. 
Um, I think between John and myself, we have two fantasy football champions. That's two, <laughs> count them, and they're both mine. <laughs> but um, but um, if you guys have any questions or, or you want to hear any kind of arguments or hear our take on anything, just give us a give us a like, comment on uh, on either of our Facebook pages or Twitter accounts. And, uh, and All right. yeah, thanks for coming back. That was Double Shot. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.